When a circus is in town, it's time for a train ride. The best circus town train rides are the dependable ones that'll depart and arrive on time. The ones that'll take you from clown to trapeze quad elephant, see? Look on the train with the circus promise. It's intense. You're listening to Shaggy's Soul Shakedown Party tonight. Alright folks, as you know, as you know, Shaggy's Soul Shakedown is every Thursday. Every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. here on MutinyRadio.fm. What's with the limp? I got hit by a car on my bike. This person just ran a red light. How are you going to work? You wait tables. I don't know. I'm terrified. I count on my tips and these hospital bills are confusing. The insurance adjusters just treat me like I'm a piece of paperwork. Man, you should go to JohnStraussLaw.com. John Strauss is a great personal injury attorney. When I got hurt, he handled everything for me. He was on my side. And best of all, I didn't have to pay out of pocket. He got paid when I did. That's great, because I cannot afford to pay out of pocket. Yeah, don't let them confuse you and trick you. They treat you like you're a business. And it's not business. It's personal. Injury. JohnStraussLaw.com Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Soy mexicano, mi tierra es bravía, palabra de macho que no hay otra tierra más linda y más brava que la tierra mía. Yo soy mexicano y orgullo lo tengo. Nací despreciando la vida y la muerte. Welcome, feliz 
día de independencia en México también la sostengo ser charro, valiente y bragao, traer mi sombrero con plata bordado, que nadie me diga que soy un rajo. Correr mi caballo en pelo montado, pero más que todo ser enamorado. Yo soy mexicano, muy atravesado. Yo soy mexicano, y por suerte mía, querido que por todas partes se me reconozca por mi valentía yo soy mexicano de nadie me pido y como cortemo cuando estoy sufriendo mejor que rajarme
Eso es una paloma que busca donde anida. Está allá y abre sus alas para volar y
Good morning, mutineers, and yes, you are turned into, tuned in to Labor and Love Radio, and this is the B, a.k.a. Bill Morgan, coming at you. Feliz Dia de Independencia a los Mexicanos. of your Mexican Happy Independence Day. If you're not, you can uh, celebrate it a little too. We started out with the great Jorge Negrete. Jorge Negrete is kind of um, one of the enduring superstars. He died in 1953. He was only 42, 43 years old. A movie star and a singer with huge hits to his credit. That was uh, Yo Soy Mexicano. I am Mexican. And I tell you, there's no land that's more beautiful than my own. little sidelight here to Jorge Negrete because Negrete was one of the driving forces in the Mexican Actors Union. And uh, there was a struggle uh, within the union for control. And um, a woman named, let me get this right here, okay? Leticia um, Palma. Leticia Palma became involved in the struggle between Jorge Negrete and Cantinflas, Mario Moreno, over leadership of the union. Palma campaigning actively for Cantinflas. Um, She was accused by stealing, of stealing documents from union headquarters regarding her contract violations. And she was pursued by a mob led by Jorge Negrete. And uh, the struggle for power went on. Um, Alma's career was ended several days later when they, <clears throat> the actors' union uh, voted to for expulsion, so she was kicked out of the union, effectively ending her film career. Grete died in 1953 of hepatitis, which he had gotten while singing in New York. And from there we had La Bamba. Great song from the Veracruz area of Mexico, well known, of course, as a hit in 1957 for Richie Valens, sung by Lila Downs. And after that, we had Canto Libre, which leads us into the whole other 9-11. Victor Hara was a folk singer, and along with hundreds of thousands of other people, he was arrested and subjected to torture. 
takeover by uh, General Pinochet, a good friend of Margaret Thatcher. And Pinochet vowed to cleanse Chile of Marxism. And uh, so Hara and a lot of uh, other people were imprisoned in a stadium, soccer stadium in uh, <clears throat> Santiago. And there they were pub um, punished. This day in 1973, Chilean communist folk singer and musician Victor Jara was murdered by Pinochet's troops following a U.S.-backed coup a few days before. He was taken prisoner along with thousands of others in the Chile Stadium, where guards tortured him, smashing his hands and fingers and then telling him to play his guitar. He was then shot over 40 times and killed. So we have Estadio Chile. The song, pardon me, the song I just played was called Canto Libre. It's kind of Victor Jara's uh, signature, signature song. Labor and Love is the name of the show. Mutiny Radio is where we're coming from. On the Labor and Love show, we remind you that if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. We remind you that if you're, you don't have a seat at the table, a negotiating table that is, where you work, you're probably on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. Let's continue on with the uh, Victor Jara story. This is Estadio Chile with Holly Neal. Arlo Gasparani Gilby, Aquí en esta parte de la ciudad. This is the last poem written by a man named Victor Jara of Chile. It was 11 years ago, September 11th. Your tax dollars and mine paid to overthrow the government down there. About 5,000 people were rounded up and put in a big stadium. It was a scene of horror, there were people being executed, tortured. Then the captain of the guards recognized Victor Hara. But this last poem that he wrote was smuggled out. And I'll just give you a literal translation. We are 5,000 here in this little part of the city. We are 5,000. How many more will we be in the whole city and the country? 10,000 hands which could seed the field, make run the factory. How much humanity with 
hunger, pain, panic, and terror. There are six of us, lost in space among the stars. One dead, one beaten, like I never believed a human beings could be so beaten. The other four wanting to leave all the terror. One leaping into space, others beating their heads against the wall. All with their gazes fixed on death. Military carry out their plans with precision. Blood is medals for them. Slaughter is the badge of heroism. Oh my God, was it for this you created the world? Was it for this? seven days of amazement and toil. The blood of Compañero Presidente is stronger than bombs, is stronger than machine guns. Oh, you song, you come out so badly. When I must sing the terror, what I see, I never saw, what I felt and what I feel must come out. Ara brotar el momento, ara brotar el momento. Eso es una paloma que busca donde anidar. Está ya. And that was uh, Pete Seeger, Holly Near, Arlo Guthrie, Ronnie Gilbert, and their tribute to Victor Jara, reading his last poem that was smuggled out of the Estado, Estadio. Chile, during the torture and murder and rape and dismemberment that was going on. Okay, what do we got on today? Well, we already started out with Viva Mexico, with Jorge, Jorge Negrete and Lila Downs. We'll hear from more. More of that a little later. On this day, September 16th, 1810, a priest named Miguel Hidalgo in a little town called Dolores gave the famous Grito de Dolores, the yell or the cry or the proclamation. Viva Mexico, viva la Virgen de Guadalupe, muerte a los gachupines, and started the Mexican in the War of Mexican Independence. 
Viva la Virgen de Guadalupe. The Virgin of Guadalupe is a universal symbol, kind of the, what could I say? They say Emperatriz, the Empress of Mexico, but a symbol shared by all Mexicans, whether they're religious or not. Muerte a los Gachupinas, death to the Spanish. Gachupin was a pejorative. Like if someone calls you a gavacho, you're a white person, someone calls you a gavacho. Anyway, this is Mexican Independence Day. Let's celebrate. Um, if you're uh, an Anglo or a gringo, and you're not quite sure, this is not, Cinco de Mayo is not in Mexican Independence Day. It's the anniversary of a battle. Okay, let's talk, let's switch over now. We got Radio Labor coming up. And after that, the Win Labor Report. This is Labor and Love Radio. Labor news, commentary, history, opinion, the voice of labor. Let's say one of the voices of labor. This is Radio Labor World Report. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, September 15th, 2017. I'm Mark Boulanger. In the report this week, the British Trades Union Congress warns Donald Trump not to visit the UK. Unions in Britain pledge to fight a public service wage cap together. A new fire and safety accord is coming into effect for garment workers in Bangladesh. And the Labour Start report about union events around the world. This is Radio Labour. Unions in Britain are making it clear that U.S. President Donald Trump is not welcome in the U.K. Mr. Trump has been invited to visit the country by British Prime Minister Theresa May, but no date has been set for the visit. Speaking at the annual conference of the British Trades Union Congress this week, TUC General Secretary Francis O'Grady said trade unionists in Britain were fed up. With a USA president who seems to think that local protesters are just as bad as the neo-fascists marauding through their town. Congress, let there be no mistake, the trade union movement here in the UK stands with our US brothers and sisters in saying we condemn those anti-Semitic, women-hating, white supremacist thugs. And if President Trump sets a foot on our soil, the TUC will be proud to lead a peaceful protest. Let's send a message. Donald Trump, you are not welcome here. All the large labor unions in the UK have committed themselves to fighting the pay cap for public employees implemented by the Conservative government with major campaigns and, if necessary, industrial action. 
The support for action against the pay cap was expressed by the unions Unite, GMB, Unison, PCS, and others at the annual conference of the British Trades Union Congress. The commitment to fight the 1% pay cap comes after the government indicated that it might increase the pay of police and firefighters, but the unions want all public employees to receive decent wage increases after years of austerity. Dave Prentice is the president of Unison. We must not fall into their trap. It's a trap we must avoid. We stand together or we fall together. We need unity, one plan of action to demand real pay rises for every public servant. You are committing your unions to coordinating campaigning activities. And if it all fails, joint ballots for joint industrial action. Another union which supported a motion at the TUC Congress to campaign against the pay cap was Unite. President Conference, Gail Cartmel, Unite, speaking in support of Composite 9. Conference, what's so galling about the government's public sector pay policy is the rank duplicity of their rhetoric. We've been told that public sector workers have gold-plated terms and conditions and that their pay should be capped to help private sector prosper. But we know that that's complete and absolute nonsense, and in fact the exact opposite has happened with public sector pay policy contaminating the wider economy. Cutting public sector pay has sucked out demand, added to the woes in the private sector during and following the 2008 crisis and recession. Enough is enough. We will organise, we will mobilise, we will win. Mark Sawatka is the General Secretary of the Union PCS. So our message is simple. Scrap the cap and we all deserve a pay rise. Every public sector worker deserves a pay rise of at least 5% to keep up with inflation and to make up some of the money that we have lost. We have a united demand. Pay rises for everybody, scrap the cap, but we've now got to do something about it. I'm proud to announce that my union last week agreed that we are balloting every single public sector member in PCS between the 9th of October and the 6th of November. We're asking them two questions. Do they agree the cap should be scrapped? And if the government failed to do it in the budget, are they prepared to take industrial action? And you know what we're going to do? We're going to analyse the result by workplace, by branch and employer, and then flood resources in where we need to, to ensure when we have a legal ballot we can win support the pay lobby support the demonstrations but wouldn't it be great if we all had consultative ballots in the run-up to the budget to give may and hammond something to think of and if they don't scrap the cap and give rises to them to us all we will take united coordinated strike action and to defeat this government and put money in our members pay packets Two global unions, Uni and Industrial, are urging clothing brands to sign on to a new Bangladesh fire and safety accord. The original accord was created after the Rana Plaza accident in 2013, which killed 1,200 mainly young women garment workers and injured another 2,400. A renewed accord is to come into effect in May 2018. I talked to Jenny Holcroft about the new accord. Ms. Holcroft is an assistant general secretary of industrial. I asked her what was new in the accord which will be coming into effect in 2018. 
When we negotiated a, a follow-up accord, we tried to take the opportunity to fix up some of the things that we'd learned the first time around. So there's a few kind of adjustments to the way that we go about things, very minor issues. But we also took the opportunity to introduce some elements that we felt were needed to take the accord work further and to really be able to fulfill the mandate that was created by the original accord. And one of the key areas from the trade union perspective is to include an element of freedom of association. I think as most people know, the situation towards freedom of association in Bangladesh is particularly poor and the unions on the ground are constantly facing very strong employer opposition and we often see headlines around union leaders being sacked or beaten up or worse. So what we felt with the accord, of course, is not only about the physical safety of the factories, it's also about creating a culture of safety in the factories. And to do that, you need to have the involvement of workers. Now, to have workers genuinely involved in ensuring their own safety in the factories, they need to be protected in an environment where raising complaints or raising issues can very easily get you fired. So we believe that the issue of freedom of association and the protection of trade union rights is absolutely inherently connected to the issue of worker empowerment around health and safety in the factories. So the new accord has an element of that which recognises the role of freedom of association in enabling workers to better protect their own safety. Now here with his report about union events around the world is Labour Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a small sample of the average of 300 news stories added to our site every day last week. Our top stories section included links to stories about the lack of action five years after 260 Pakistani workers died in a garment factory fire. The effort by Global Union BWI to reduce fatalities on Olympic building sites and the start of mass protests over French labor law reform proposals. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Kenyan University faculty were again forced to cancel classes in an effort to get the government to honor a collective agreement signed in 2013. Airport service workers continued their strike as Swissport used untrained scabs to handle baggage and move aircraft around Canada's biggest and busiest airport. American nuclear weapons workers continued their strike over health care costs. French air traffic controllers struck for a day as they joined in the opposition to the French government's proposed so-called reforms of that country's labor laws. Nigerian healthcare workers were again out in an effort to force the payment of wages owed to them for months. Administrative workers at an American pension and benefits administration company continued their wage and benefits dispute. Workers who stock cash machines in Australia were off the job as they pressed their wage demands. And in the UK, the months-long wage collection dispute looked to continue into the new year. The Health and Safety Newswire, we run in cooperation with Hazards magazine, carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about five miners trapped underground in South Africa, a new health and safety ad campaign in Australia, and conditions on Canadian farms worked by migrant labour. Currently, Labour Start is running five online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. 
And that's it. International labor news you can use. I'm Mark Boulanger. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity. Okay, that was Radio Labor. That's uh, labor news from all over the world. Uh, Public sector workers in England are being threatened with a 1% pay cut instead of a long overdue raise. And they've made it clear that Mr. Trump is not welcome in their country. We'll see what happens with that. This is Win Labor News. Win. Workers Independent News, we can review. I'm Doug Cunningham. Senator Bernie Sanders introduced Medicare for All Wednesday, backed by 15 Democratic U.S. Senators. Healthcare coverage for everyone in the country as a human right. Sanders says working families will be better off financially paying for Medicare for All than giving money to for-profit insurance companies that can literally nickel and dime us to death when we get sick. Under Medicare for All, the average American family will be much better off financially than under the current system because you will no longer be writing checks to private insurance companies. Melissa Johnson Camacho is a National Nurses United registered nurse. To me, it is immoral that anyone profits off another person's need for health care, and it is repugnant to me that this profit comes from denying care. I see the suffering and pain this causes every single day in the faces of my patients. Let's put an end to this immoral system that's putting profits before patients' needs. Of course, we're thrilled about the win. The grad employees at Boston College worked really hard. They worked for several years to both form their union by talking to their coworkers, but also to make their way through all of the legal steps that this took before the National Labor Relations Board. So there's a great deal of excitement, and I think they're celebrating and feeling that we have just moved that movement for grad organizing just one step forward. UAW Region 9A Director Julie Kushner talking about the union election win for Boston grad student workers. Kushner says these young workers are an inspiration for the future of the labor movement. National Nurses United's RN Response Network is sending the second delegation of volunteer nurses to Texas and some as well to Florida to assist in treating hurricane victims. The Nurses Union's Bonnie Castillo says these nurses will be there in a long-term commitment as residents recover from these monster storms. We don't do the search and rescue, but what we do is provide uh, assistance in terms of a hands-on care in whatever capacity we can, the shelters, and then also we know that it's not going to be cleaned up in a week or a few weeks. What's happened here is going to require a commitment, and we are making that commitment to go beyond what typically happens. It's a bad law, it's a bad deal for Iowans, and it's clearly a naked power grab on the part of the Coast Guard in the Republican legislature. Ken Sager, president of the AFL-CIO's Iowa Federation of Labor. Public sector unions in Iowa must start a recertification election process required by an anti-worker law passed by Republicans controlling Iowa's state legislature. Public unions must vote every two years to keep unions certified, and the unions must win 50% plus one of all union members, not just those who turn out to vote. Workers' independent news provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham.
Okay, so <clears throat> that Iowa election that he was talking about are some of the onerous things now that are being placed on unions. They have to recertify every two years in Iowa. Um, the Congress put very heavy demands on postal workers that their pensions, there must be money in the pension fund for 90 years ahead. So this is what what Republicans and conservative uh, governors and state legislatures are going to do to us. They're going to make it so hard to have a union that fewer and fewer people will join. Uh, right to work slash, that is not, no, not right to work. Right to freeload. A bill, uh, a judgment is coming up in the Supreme Court, giving workers the right to freeload. In other words, demand that the union support them and they get all the benefits that the union wins for them, that the union must represent them in court, and they will have the right not to pay union dues, the right to freeload. So if you see those signs that say right to work, that's not what it's about at all. It's the right to freeload, the right to get all the benefits of a union without paying anything for it. <clears throat> any guy on the street, any woman, any person on the street will tell you that's freeloading. And now, if this judgment, if if the Supreme Court votes, that's what the that's what will be happening. A couple of women's songs now. Here's one from uh, Linda Tillery. All right.
way to win, bro. Don't let nobody try yeah. your spirit down. Let Every time you ride, drag your spirit down. Keep on walking up to heaven. Let nobody try your spirit down. Yeah. Buscando 
woman sat there. Uh, running up on uh, 11, quarter till 11. Better get that right. Uh, that, that was a that was our women's set, our women's set. That was a women's set. Uh, and it started out with Linda Tillery and the Cultural Heritage Orchestra, which if you listen to the show over a period of time, you probably heard that one. Followed by Jenny Rivera, the very popular singer. Born in uh, Long Beach, California, was like a border person who crossed over the border back and forth, a big star both in Mexico and the United States. And finally we had Annie DeFranco singing Blood in the Boardroom, <clears throat> and this one bears a little uh, closer look. Annie DeFranco, sitting in the boardroom, the I'm so boardroom, listening to the seats. And uh, I wonder, can these boys smell me bleeding through my underwear? Annie DeFranco talks about bleeding. That's the only thing she's got, the only thing that's hers and that it's out of place. I didn't really have that much to say the whole time I was here. So I just left a big brown blood stain on their white chair. Anyway, a woman sort of asserting her presence and sort of asserting her opinion about what's going on in that boardroom. The men with all their businesses, the Oso boardroom. These businesses got the money, they got the interest, instruments of death, but I can make life, I can make breath. Annie DeFranco was born in Buffalo, New York in 1970. September 23rd, so we're celebrating her birthday as well. <clears throat> her mother was from Montreal. Her father was uh, an Italian of Italian descent. Um, Annie DeFranco started her own record company in 1989. Righteous Babe Records. She released her self-titled debut album in the winter of 1990, shortly after relocating in New York City. She's toured steadily, or she toured steadily for the next 15 years, pausing only to record albums, appearances in Canadian folk festivals and increasingly larger venues in the U.S., reflected her increasing popularity. So, Annie DeFranco, you probably heard her on this show in uh, singing duets with Yu Utah Phillips. 
beginning in 1989-1999, Righteous Babe Records began re releasing albums by other artists. That one guy, U Utah Phillips, was one of those. So, Annie DeFranco, that was our third. Let's listen. A mix, a Chicano poet named Martin Espada for the Jim Crow Mexican restaurant in Cambridge. For the Jim Crow Mexican restaurant in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where my cousin Esteban was forbidden to wait tables because he wears dreadlocks, by Martin Espada. I have noticed that the hostess in peasant dress, the waitstaff, and the boss share the complexion of a flour tortilla. I have spooked the servers at my table by trilling the word burrito. I am aware of your t-shirt solidarity with the refugees of the Americas since they steam in your kitchen. I know my cousin Esteban, the sculptor, rolled tortillas in your kitchen with the fingertips of ancestral Puerto Rican cigar makers. I understand he wanted to be a waiter, but you proclaimed his black dreadlocks unclean, so he hissed in Spanish and his apron collapsed on the floor. May la migra handcuff the waitstaff as suspected illegal aliens from Canada. May a hundred mice die from the oven like diminutive leaping dolphins during your board of health inspection. May the kitchen workers strike, sitting with folded hands as enchiladas blacken and twisters of smoke panic the customers. May a Zapatista squadron commandeer the refrigerator, liberating a pillar of tortillas at gunpoint. May you hallucinate dreadlocks braided in thick vines around your ankles. And may the Aztec gods, pinned like butterflies, to the menu wait for you in the parking lot at midnight demanding that you spell their names Martina Espada and uh, we'll have more of for the Jim Crow Mexican restaurant in Cambridge over again um, Martina Espada a Chicano a Puerto Rican poet um, very well known and we'll, we'll have more of Martina Espada on this show that was called the Jim Crow Mexican restaurant in Cambridge Maryland okay we're coming up on the uh, 11 o'clock hour this is the B and the name of the show is labor and love and we're here all morning Till noon, working the day shift with you. My name is Bill Morgan. I'm a member of two unions, Local 61, United Educators of San Francisco, and Local 510, Sign Display and Allied Crafts, uh, which sets up and um, dismantles the trade shows big trade shows that come into San Francisco. I was just driving downtown and I saw the expansion of Moscone Center, which is the major convention center in San Francisco. 
it's been increased again in size so it's literally huge the corner of what do I want to say Howard and third between third and fourth is all taken up by Moscone Center Moscone Center South which was the first one Moscone Central Center North and West followed now instead of Moscone Center East they couldn't get the land to do it I guess um, the whole Moscone Center has been expanded upwards so this is a union work that I did for so long uh, outstanding union very democratic people yelling at each other at union meetings Okay, we're celebrating another anniversary. We're celebrating another anniversary today because on September 8th in 1965, something happened in California. For not the first time, the farm workers, people who plant and harvest and tend and package your food when it comes to the table and who get paid and still get paid sub-level wages. They went on strike. California is like the fruit and vegetable capital of the world. But they weren't getting their fair share even though they were doing way more than the fair amount of work for the money they were getting that was a little documentary then we'll talk about Mexican and Filipino workers in the strike California's San Joaquin Valley holds some of the richest farmland in the United States yet those who work the vineyards live in poverty in 1966, a few of them set out for the state capital, 250 miles away. The marchers want to dramatize a local labor dispute. A strike has been called against the growers of California grapes. Sacramento, the crowd numbers 10,000, and the nation remembers a forgotten minority. The Spanish word for strike, huelga, echoes in the pleasant valleys where most of the nation's grapes are grown. Each day, strikers stand on the highway trying to persuade others to leave the fields and join them. Those who do can easily be replaced. An endless supply of cheap labor is available just across the Mexican border. How long have you stabbed on your fellow workers? 
Cesar Chavez, a disciple of Gandhi, leads the strikers. Okay, that was, uh, of course, Chavez and the UFW followed up that one win as they marched to Sacramento uh, with a lot of others in both the grape fields and the lettuce fields. An incredible display of worker power, worker solidarity. Uh, so, let, let's see. I wanted to play... The one about wanted to play um, about Filipino farm workers. Let's hear that one. The Delano grape strike and boycott started in the fall of 1965, and on September 8th. Filipino-American grape workers walked off the farms of area-table grape growers to strike and protest against years of poor pay and working conditions. Historically, it was common for growers to pit one race against another, which created a cultural divide that was difficult to overcome. While Cesar Chavez led and founded the National Farm Workers Association, Larry Itliong led the Agricultural Workers Organizing Committee, and when the two unions merged, they created the United Farm Workers. The two leaders had very different organizing styles. Itliong was militant and Chavez was nonviolent. 
I'm going to be very frank with you. I have all kinds of guts, you know. I'm not scared of nobody. And I'm a son of in terms of fighting for the rights of Filipinos in this country. Before the Delano grape strike, Filipino activists picketed in Coachella where they demanded an increase to a dollar and ten cents an hour, along with better living conditions. After 10 days of picketing, Filipino farm workers finally accomplished what they were aiming for and realized that they could accomplish so much more. The association of the Delano grape strike normally has the name Cesar Chavez in it because he is an iconic figure who fought for farm workers' rights, was a labor organizer, and an influential union leader. Although this particular strike was a critical turning point for Chavez's legacy, it started with working side by side with Filipino activists who were the ones who took the initiative to take action and fight for what was right. Cesar Chavez made a lot of contributions to farm workers and labor rights, but what about the people who actually started taking this kind of action? Larry Itliong, Philip Veracruz, Benjamin Gines, and Pete Velasco walked off the farms of area table grape growers and demanded that they get equal to federal minimum wage. The Filipino workers led a lot of strikes, by the way, now, it's in the Salinas area, and in Santa Maria, and in Stockton. This turned into the Delano grape strike. These Filipino men ignited action and started a movement that would change the lives for many generations of labor workers. Unlike the strike in Coachella, things got harder. Okay, that was a short documentary about the the grape strike, September 8, 1965, and the place of Filipino and Mexican uh, workers in that strike. Here's Lalo Guerrero talking about Delano. Corrido de Delano, the headquarters of the UFW. Año del 65-66, más o menos. Se levantó nuestra gente en los campos de Delano, pidiendo mejores sueldos. Por trabajar el terreno Estado de California En el condado de Kern Se escucharon las palabras Ándale paisa no ven A ingresar al sindicato Nos irá mucho más bien Salimos en huelga, no es pa' que el mundo se asombre, esto lo decía un joven, César Chávez es su nombre, solo pedimos lo justo y la dignidad del hombre. San Joaquín 
este famoso motín que vinieron senadores a ver si le hallaban Nuestra gente escucharon las demandas y se fueron muy conscientes de que se trata de un pueblo trabajador y decente con el estandarte hermoso de nuestra Guadalupana. Van marchando a Sacramento Nuestra gente mexicana A luchar por sus derechos Dios bendito, a ver si gana And that was uh, Lalo Guerrero Corrido de Delano. I want to play one more, kind of the uh, very well-known song among quote-unquote Mexican-Americans, Chicanos. Tanto tiempo disfrutamos De este amor nuestras almas se acercaron Tanto así que yo guardo tu sabor Como tú llevas también sabor a mí Si negaras mi presencia en tu vivir Bastaría con abrazarte y conversar tanta vida yo te di que por fuerzas llevarás sabor a mí no pretendo ser tu dueño no soy nada yo no tengo vanidad en mi vida Pasarán más de mil años Muchos más Yo no sé si tengamos La eternidad Pero allá tal como aquí Y en la boca Llevarás Sabor a mí
tu dueño No soy nada, yo no tengo vanidad En mi vida, todo lo bueno Soy tan pobre que otra cosa puedo dar Pasarán más de mil años, muchos más Yo no sé si tenga amor la eternidad Pero allá tal como aquí y en la boca llevarás sabor a mí Sabor a mí by los lobos, a beautiful song, very well known within the Chicano community in California. So I want to move on to a new Bill of Rights for Workers, 10 demands that the labor movement can fight for and win. This is written by Sean Richmond. And who's a, a contributing writer for Indies Times and a campaign consultant with 15 years' experience as a union organizing director and representative. So these are things that he says are rooted in the Constitution. Number one is the right to free speech. Working people do not shed their free speech when they come on the job. Any restriction of a worker's words in flyers, tweets, or online posts should be challenged. Freedom from cruel and unusual regulation. While the union avoidance industry is allowed to operate in the shadows, the exact opposite is true concerning union activity. Just as workers have a right to know the staff salaries and expenditures of their union, they should also have a right to know the salaries and expenditures of their company. Three, the right to strike. Workers have a right to strike and to return to their jobs when the strike is over. Unions must challenge the court decision that allowed employers to permanently replace striking workers. Okay, when did it get, when did we get to the point where workers were not free to stop working and demand better conditions at their work? When did that happen? Why do we look at these things as kind of organizational disputes? These are workers wanting to be free. Number four, the right to your job. All workers deserve a just cause standard of employment that protects them from arbitrary firing. Labor-led campaign to expand this protection through legislation could, could give unions more mass appeal.
freedom from unreasonable search and seizure during labor organizing. Employers often file racketeering charges and other nuisance lawsuits against unions campaigning for recognition. These, take, these suits take advantage of employers' superior resources to chill organizing activities. Unions should fight, file unfair labor practices against employers who bring frivolous lawsuits. Right not to be locked out for exercising labor rights. Lockouts interfere with unions' practice protected union activity. Unions should file ULPs and argue that the lockout deprives workers of their due process rights. The right to process union dues. Right to work laws compel unions to provide services to all members of a bargaining unit, but forbid them from charging mandatory fees. This is an unconstitutional taking in violation of the Fifth Amendment. Unions should sue to overturn these state laws in federal circuits. Eight, the right to self-defense and mutual aid. Solidarity is labor's core principle and best defense. Laws prohibiting secondary strikes and unions violate workers' First and Fourteenth Amendment. The right to make demands and bargain freely. Governmental restrictions on the scope of bargaining are effectively a restriction of workers' speech. These restrictions are especially vulnerable to constitutional challenges in the public sector. And the right for non-union workers to engage concerted activity. The protections of the NLRA are not limited to workers in unions, and the labor movement should educate young workers that there is power and protection in working in concert. New Bill of Rights for Labor. Check it out. The author is Sean Richmond, and it's on the In These Times website. All right. There's been one I wanted to play as President Trump rattles his saber all over the world. Not doing much with North Korea for all his big talk. He shouldn't have made the big talk. And he should find a diplomatic solution. He's the big deal maker. Let's make a deal. This is the whole thing he ran on. And of course he ran. The U.S. always wants to take out Iran. The Persians are always a thorn in our side, as one Greek statesman said. There's you know, the Dixon. blues speak of so many things and making a kind of variety of the program. It requires a lot of different facts of life that we must know about. And when you think about the various 
nations of the earth, the various religions of the earth, the various nationalities, the various people all over the world. We have been able to make anything that we want to make and do anything we want to do. have created miracles, but it don't make sense when we can't make peace. You know, you made everything else, wise men, great men, from every nation in the world, all the countries in the world, have all kinds of conventions and festivals all the money. Suppose you had to spend half as much money on trying to make peace as you have been making war. We wouldn't have to worry about nothing. But it don't make sense. It don't make sense. It don't make sense. When you can't make peace.
You know it don't make sense. You know it don't make sense. You know it don't make sense. was uh, Willie Dixon from his album Peace recorded uh, I want to say 1994 um, not sure about that and I want to listen to a little George Carlin we always like to have the spoken word on this show Earlier we had uh, Martinez Spada, and in the weeks to come we're going to talk about Garcia Lorca, Federico Garcia Lorca, and of course Pablo Neruda. We didn't remark during the uh, September 11th segment that one of those murdered was the great poet Pablo Neruda, Nobel Prize winning poet. All right, uh, let me just run this by you. Social Security fun facts. Republicans are, are fond of saying that we have to cut Social Security and Medicare to balance the budget. But Social Security and Medicare are paid for with their own tax, a separate tax. I believe it's SDI, I'm not sure. But they add nothing to the national debt. In other words, they're separate entities. The money for them doesn't come out of the, the general fund or anything. Also, Social Security has a $2.5 trillion surplus. Why don't we hear about this? That sounds like a lot of money. That's almost a tenth of the money that corporations have overseas. Congress has borrowed trillions from Social Security to pay for government spending. Yeah, they take money out of it regularly, and then they turn around and tell you it's bankrupt. <laughs> Hello? So when the GOP says we need to cut Social Security in order to balance the federal budget, they're lying.
Okay, on to George Carlin. George Carlin at his best, someone says. George Carlin on the, the ruling class. Here's a good one. Now, to balance the scale, I'd like to talk about some things that bring us together. Things that point out our similarities instead of our differences. Because that's all you ever hear about in this country is our differences. That's all the media and the politicians are ever talking about, the things that separate us, things that make us different from one another. That's the way the ruling class operates in any society. They try to divide the rest of the people. They keep the lower and the middle classes fighting with each other so that they, the rich, can run off with all the fucking money. Fairly simple thing happens to work. You know anything different, that's what they're going to talk about. Race, religion, ethnic and national background, jobs, income, education, social status, sexuality, anything you can do, keep us fighting with each other so that they can keep going to the bank. You know how I describe the economic and social classes in this country? The upper class keeps all of the money, pays none of the taxes. The middle class pays all of the taxes, does all of the work. The poor are there just to scare the shit out of the middle class. <laughs> Keep them showing up at those jobs. George Carlin talking about the middle class. Want to cue another one up here today. Uh, now, you endorsed uh, Governor Romney. I did. Uh, no. Are you in contact? See that one, David Letterman <clears throat> talking to Tweet. George Carlin on the ruling class. Here's here's a good one. Play this one. It's been a little while, it's been a little while since I've been here and a couple of things have happened in that time. I'd like to talk a little bit about the war in the Persian Gulf. Big doings in the Persian Gulf. You know my favorite part of that war? It's the first war we ever had that was on every channel plus cable. And the war got good ratings too, didn't it? Got good ratings. Well, we like war. We like war. We're a warlike people. We like war because we're good at it. And you know why we're good at it? Because we get a lot of practice. This country's only 200 years old and already we've had 10 major wars. We average a major war every 20 years in this country, so we're good at it. And it's a good thing we are. We're not very good at anything else anymore. Huh? Can't build a decent car. Can't make a TV set or a VCR worth the fuck. Got no steel industry left, can't educate our young people, can't get health care to our old people, but we can bomb the shit out of your country, all right? Huh? We can bomb the shit out of your country, all right? Especially if your country is full of brown people. Oh, we like that, don't we? That's our hobby. That's our new job in the world, bombing brown people. Iraq, Panama, Grenada, Libya, you got some brown people in your country, tell them to watch the fuck out or we'll goddamn bomb them. Well, when's the last white people you can remember that we bombed? Can you remember the last white? Can you remember any white people? 
We've ever bombed. The Germans, those are the only ones. And that's only because they were trying to cut in on our action. They wanted to dominate the world. Bullshit, that's our fucking job. Now we only bomb brown people. Not because they're trying to cut in on our action, just because they're brown. Now you probably noticed I don't feel about that war the way we were told we were supposed to feel about that war, the way we were ordered and instructed by the United States government to feel about that war. You see, I tell you, my mind doesn't work that way. I got this real moron thing I do, it's called thinking. And I'm not a very good American because I like to form my own opinions. I don't just roll over when I'm told to. Sad to say, most Americans just roll over on command. Not me. I have certain rules I live by. My first rule, I don't believe anything the government tells me. Nothing. Zero. Nope. And I don't take very seriously the media or the press in this country, who in the case of the Persian Gulf War were nothing more than unpaid employees of the Department of Defense, and who most of the time, most of the time, function as kind of an unofficial public relations agency for the United States government. So I don't listen to them, I don't really believe in my country, and I gotta tell you folks, I don't get all choked up about yellow ribbons and American flags. I consider them... I consider them to be symbols, and I leave symbols to the symbol-minded. Okay, that was George Carlin discussing uh, war, generally, and how uh, we are led into war preceded that with his comments about the ruling class. He has definite uh, opinions on the social system and how it works. Okay, Labor and Love Show, we're moving up on the 12 o'clock hour when uh, you'll be treated to the sounds of flat black plastic. And, uh, my buddy Scott Walker will be coming in next. This is Labor and Love and the show and the show place is Mutiny Radio. Mutiny Radio where every week things are happening. We've currently got a few open spots on our uh, radio chart. Two hour slots where you can come in and have a voice and be on the radio. We'll teach you how to do it. Come on down. This is a happening place with a lot of comedy, especially now. Okay, but other things as well. Lots of live music, lots of live interviews, lots of people, cultural people hanging around. Come on down to Mutiny Radio. Okay, I want to... Reiterate again, Feliz Dia de Independencia of all mis cuates, all Mexican people. Congratulations, this is your day of independence from some things. <laughs> and um, 
Let's see what we can play now. Just for me. I always like this one. The life of a young. John is in the basement mixing up the medicine. I'm on the pavement thinking about the government. The man in a trench coat, bad job laid off. Says he's got a bad cough, wants to get it paid off. Look out, kid, it's something you did. God knows when, but you're doing it again. You better duck down the alleyway looking for a new friend. The man in a coonskin cap in a pig pen wants $11 bills. You only got 10. Hey, Bob Dylan, of course, of Training Homesick Blues from 1966. A life of a young, young man coming up. All the things you had to go through. Get dressed, get blessed. Try to be a success. This is the B. Remember, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person work for a dollar they didn't get. Remember, if you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table where you work, you're probably on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Join me next week for more labor opinion, commentary, history.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-face McRat. <laughs> Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Want to spend a summer Sunday laughing your cares away? Then come join the fun at San Francisco's Comedy Day. One stage, five hours, 40 comedians, a million laughs, and it's free. Besides our annual celebration of stand-up, did you know that Comedy Day offers workshops that teach Bay Area students how to use humor to resolve conflict? Comedy Day is so serious about ending bullying, it's banning all comedians from using the following phrases. Knee slapping, side splitting, break a leg, bust a gut, knock them dead. Those words hurt. But Comedy Day feels good. It's fun for the whole family. Did I mention it's free? Hey, comedy fans, don't miss the 37th Annual Comedy Day, the original longest-running free outdoor comedy concert in the world. The funny starts at noon on Sunday, September 17th at Sharon Meadow in Golden Gate Park, San Francisco. One stage, five hours, 40 comedians, a million laughs. It's free! (laughs) 
Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. You mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, offering you amazing late night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit, it's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini and creamy, delicious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They got them. From the specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads gonna come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Brenda's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven nights a week from 5 to 10 p.m. or later. Hey, people, this is a flat black plastic show on mutinyradio.fm. Until further notice, all the music you hear is on loan from the San Francisco Public Library main branch library. And uh, if you don't support the library, you're a bad person. So go down there, get some records, get some books. Enjoy. Enjoy. 